Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, I'll be hearing about some of the 50 maps that antiquarian dealer Jonathan Wattis has picked out to show the history of Hong Kong and to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Wattis Fine Art at its premises on the corner of Hollywood Road and Old Bailey Street. But first, I head to the top of Old Bailey Street, where the aroma of coffee has pervaded the surrounding area for more than two decades. Olympia Greco Egyptian Coffee has supplied coffee and ground it up for customers since 1927, when it was opened by an Egyptian from Greece on Pedder Street in Central. It's now on the move again and will be situated in PMQ. So the former police married quarters on Aberdeen Street for three months, while brother and sister owners Katie and Edwin Ho find a future premises. So this is um, in 63, was demonstrating how to do a Turkish coffee. So it was a normal thing, I think, at the time that the shop owner will share coffee with his customers and father will help out to do the coffee. And uh, this is the shop at the corner that is landmark and there was Pepper Street in the old days. So was it on the ground floor then? Yes, it's on the ground floor. It was okay. on the ground floor. And was it a bigger operation than here or about the same size? I think it must be bigger then because they did more than just coffee at the time. And uh, this photo was taken the year just before father passed away mm. by a famous uh, photographer in Hong Kong. Mr. Leung. So your father is Ho Shu Kai. Ho Shu Kai, yes. that's right. And he, so he took over... From the co- his boss, that's right. The boss was the son-in-law of the founder. Yes, and, and your father took it over in 1955? No, father went in as a star. And joined... Yes, right. yes, that's correct. Okay. Hi, good morning. The original owner in 1927, he was an Egyptian who came Greece, came yes. from Greece. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So do you know anything about that, though? Mm, not <laughs> at all. Oh, I know his father's <laughs> boss, which is the son-in-law. I don't know anything about the previous one. <laughs> Can you tell me about your dad and the business? Dad was the one who made the coffee, Yes. put it this way. He roasted, blended and packed it. That's what I remember. I talked to customers, make coffee. That's so what he I would have started in Pedder Street? He would have, yes, his first job was in Pedder Street. And then the shop moved from Pedder Street to Onland Street, then Hollywood Road, then Old Bailey Street across the street where we are, and here. And then he passed away, what, like 2011. And so did you kind of grow up with a coffee smell? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We were actually brought up by coffee, in a way, because he earned money through making coffee. And we smell coffee <laughs> since, <laughs> can't even remember when. So it will be the smell of coffee, not like what you smell as in a cup. It will be a smell with sweat and a daily work type of old smell. <laughs> Just different. Now in the corner here, you've got a large coffee machine can you describe it to me uh, what we remember this is we were told that this is the first grinder it should be uh, in the late 20s so start to work in as a grinder so you can see there's a still big round bearing thing I think it's the old design so under here you put uh, up here you put coffee beans and then down here is, you put powder and there are two in here 
and then that one suppose I think it's the second era one uh, after World War Two. So you can see the design has removed the big round bearing, and then the the other square shaped one is in two thousand. So they look a yeah, lot a more smaller, modern. yeah, <laughs> and square. Yeah, a little bit less interesting though. Yeah, it's true. So. Your father actually worked, starts working at, in 1955 for the son-in-law of the original Egyptian owner. So what was the son-in-law called? Now, his name is called, uh, was um, Gregory Sarah Folklore. I, I assume that's the way how to pronounce it. <laughs> Your father took over the business when, in the 1960s? Or? No, 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 uh, in the 80s, right. mid-80s, somewhere there. The, the son-in-law retired and he had uh, no children, so he just passed it on to father. And father bought, uh, yeah, and then renamed, renamed the company name with Olympia in the front. Because it's interesting, because even when I came to Hong Kong in the early 1990s, there wasn't such there wasn't the coffee culture that you have now. No. Not so many people drank. So your dad must have been quite an original in this business. Well, maybe, I don't know. But I bet there were other coffee roasters in Hong Kong, just that we are the one with the shop, a retail shop in Central, maybe. So was your father a big coffee drinker? He does. He did drink coffee. Whether he... I don't know. What do you mean by big coffee drinker? Like, non-stop? I don't think so. <laughs> he drank Chinese tea too. So tell me, what's the technique, you know, for anybody coming in on the last day here at Old Bailey Street, if I wanted some proper ground coffee, and I will get some in a minute, but you basically take the beans? Well, we have different options. Depends on the person's preference. Like, you like it strong, heavy, uh, you add milk, or you don't have milk, or you do it... Uh, you make coffee by hand drip or you like it fruity, so all sorts of varieties, then we recommend what you can have. Then if you have a grinder at home, then you can take the beans, whole beans, or we can grind it for you as your requirement. Okay, so when you actually grind it, you, you can do it at... Because you've got three machines in front of us here that, that uh, in addition to the more antique items. Why would you have three? Is it, is it sort of to grind them in a different way? Yes, and also we need some backups. The grinders have different temperament. So, <laughs> I mean, some can do final grinds and some cannot. Some prefer to do a coarser grind. So some is a flat ba- blade for hand drip. So we use it according to the needs. Now I can see uh, your father here. What, what's he doing here? He's actually taken the beans out of a hessian sack. This is on a, a newspaper report, which uh, the, the walls are covered in newspaper reports, largely focusing on your father. And uh, he's got the round wooden trays. I think he was sieving. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah sieving. Um, so to drop away the bits and pieces that we don't want, use that to sieve and also to pick the beans. I'm looking at the Hessian sacks that you've got here. In terms of in Asia, where do you get your coffee from largely? Asia, Indonesia. Are there a number of roasters in Hong Kong or are you quite rare these days? Uh, roasters in Hong Kong, oh, there are tons. Are there? Right <laughs> there are many, many, many now. Um, yes, all sorts of uh, roasters, even home roasters, there are quite a lot because roasters, the machine itself can be small for like 100 grams, 60 grams, that's what I'm aware of. So you can roast for in different scale according to preference and needs and space. 
Now, in addition to the grinders that you've got here, I noticed in the in the window you've got a wood a wooden camel. Oh yes. <laughs> Is it on a real camel skin? I was told. Ah. I think it was given by a customer. Let me ask my brother. Yes, from a customer. So it was very nice. Uh, from. Ah, so it. Okay, father's friend, referee club friend, Hong Kong referee club. Uh, one of the guys went to Saudi Saudi Arabia, I think, Middle East, and took it back as a gift souvenir. Right. Well, it fits in with the Egyptian heritage, doesn't it? Yeah, sort of. it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and uh, what else have you got in the window there? You can see there is an old scale, the old style, and then there are two. The red thing and the silver thing are the collector of the coffee powder to be used with the old grinders. And there is a round, more slightly modern shape, home use. Grinder, oh, and there's at the back of that is a Turkish grinder, which is a metal, a steel blade. That's it. So, I mean, anybody who was interested also, I mean, gosh, and here, here even more, anybody who's interested in kind of coffee heritage can yeah, just uh, collect it. Yes, yes, totally. So, all of this is going off to PMQ? Uh, yes, as many, as much as we can. Some, thing, some of the things will not be taken with us, so it would be a bit sad. But they will be retired. OK. Yeah. But they, so that's a, a space issue, is it? Or? Space and, uh, yes, mainly space. And also the look. We cannot really take all the old stuff over. But you will keep it? Yeah, the antiques, we will keep them all. Yes. yes. As much as we can. So we will, because you can't get them back again, so... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you feel today? Uh, mad, busy. <laughs> Still got lots to do and to pack and uh, to organise, to be organised so that um, we can move smoothly. doing was blending the beans yes, the, by shaking and instead of using a machine so it's actually quite heavy because it's a metal tray and then there was the beans you have to shake it it's a heavy action I mean it's quite tiring yeah you've got to be quite physically fit I should think yes yeah. Yeah. so how many years have you been involved in the coffee business I mean did you go straight into it after school or brother did, but then he, I think Edwin uh, left after a while and then did his own work, business, and I didn't. I just on and off uh, helping out as a mean backup type of things. And we, we came back whenever there's order that we need to help out to make. Yes. That was the time. And then until, before father passed away, Edwin came back first, help out, and then father passed away, we two of us fully took over. Now, how do you like to drink your coffee? I know me a Turkish style. Turkish style, <laughs> oh, yeah, very strong, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I like hang drip. I like hang. it lighter. Okay. Yeah. Tell me how you make a Turkish coffee then. You make a one cup, maybe uh, you, you take a two teaspoon. So you've got your metal... This is a copper, copper pot, 
So you put two teaspoons of coffee powder, yeah. finely ground. You and don't like sugar, you can put the sugar inside. You, right. If you don't like... And then you heat it up like that? Yeah, use a small fire or electric stove. And then around two minutes, the coffee will boiling. You can see the smell and, and, the, and the creamer is coming up. And then you can use a, a spoon, stirring it. And then pour the creamer on the cup first. And then we place on the fire. And then boiling three times and then put the coffee on the cup. And then settle down for one or two minutes. And then you can enjoy your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite strong, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, good luck. I, I know that you've got lots to do. So thank you very much for the time today. Good luck with your move. So if people would like to come in, because you're well known, if people want to come and see you at the former police marry quarters at PMQ, where can they find you again? Uh, we will be on the fifth floor of uh, Block A, uh, room 503S. 503. So it's the blogger on Stondon Street uphill, that one. Okay, so that's room S503. That's on the fifth floor of PMQ Block A on Staunton Street. So that's at 35. So PMQ is, of course, at 35 Aberdeen Street. So could I get some more coffee then just before you close? Uh, this is <laughs> the half pound left. So there's <laughs> only one left for you. <laughs> no more. <laughs> so I feel quite honoured then. Mm-hmm. So as well as people coming to get ground coffee, say now in your new quarters at PMQ, do you also do delivery? Yes, we do. Uh, we use SF Express to send it to office. And we also post coffee, but uh, only for small quantity. So for larger quantity, better use courier service. Oh, OK. So if I wanted to get a quick quarter of a pound of your coffee, you'd be able to pop it in the post? Yes, we can, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You do the grinding, but you, people can't drink coffee here. But you're actually going to provide some workshops at PMQ. Yes, uh, we will open on Sunday in the PMQ. So like that, in those hours, we will uh, run some coffee workshop, kind of uh, sharing... Uh, how to brew coffee or sharing about the taste of coffee. Some sort of ideas in head, but haven't formulated yet. That would be great. Okay, I'm going to get out of your way now because you've got a delivery coming in. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Katie and Edwin Ho there of the Olympia Graco Egyptian Coffee Shop, which will be at PMQ or the former Police Marry Quarters in Aberdeen Street as of the start of November. Well, for my next interview, it was just a short walk down Old Bailey Street to What is Fine Art at the bottom. Jonathan and wife Vicky are marking 30 years at this gallery with the exhibition A History of Hong Kong in 50 Maps. And they're maps, plans, charts of Hong Kong from 1775 to 1979. And there are some very rare and very unusual and some very amusing maps. Now, this is to mark your 30th anniversary, right right here. It is to mark our 30th <laughs> anniversary, which actually takes place on the 8th of December, so it's about a month to go, but we're pretty much there. 
Now, I've just been up uh, up the hill um, to where I think your picture framers uh, also are being moved out of this block that's being redeveloped up the top, but is also the house of uh, Olympia Greco Egyptian Coffee. So I've just been up there before coming down to you. That whole block, which is just beyond the prison on Chancery Lane and Old Bailey Street, that whole block has been bought by a mainland developer. And so... Uh, everyone's going. That includes our framer for 28 years, the Greco Egyptian, Olympia Greco Egyptian Coffee Company, who have been there even longer, but they were across the road for a while. So they're one of the old timers of Old Bailey Street. So they're probably the oldest business that I can think of in the street, and they're, they're going, uh, which is a sad thing. But they've been around a long time in Hong Kong, but certainly the present owner. I remember his father. When I first came to Old Bailey Street, Hollywood Road Junction, I used to go up and buy coffee from them, and I remember the father. He was there grinding away the coffee and opening the door and all that aroma hitting you. A, a, a wonderful memory. It's very special. It's a sad moment they're going in many ways for Old Bailey Street. Now, originally, I mean, I want to find out more of this history. Actually, I've been sort of digging about, but not uh, for uh, particularly this weekend uh, for Hong Kong Heritage, the fact that I heard that it was about to about to move. So I just grabbed the opportunity. But I do feel that, um, you know, whilst it's been brilliant to talk to Katie and her brother Edwin, that, that I'd like to find out more about the original Egyptian owner and then the son-in-law that precedes the hose as well. In the early days, when it was both for coffee and tobacco, do you know any of the places that it used to supply yes i do uh they were a major supplier to the peninsula hotel and i also think they supplied the mandarin at one time so uh, if you if you rewind before the era of supermarkets before the era of shops which would have all sorts of uh, exotic coffee in it which which you have today there were very few suppliers and very specialist suppliers they they would have been one of very few i don't know enough to know who their competitors were but i do know enough to know that they've been around a long time and that at one time they were quite significant to the economy as it were of Hong Kong and also for the uh, for the hotels and specialist coffee and their, their coffee quality is very good. It's interesting to see that on tourist maps say going back to the 1950s that um, this changes its name but Greco Egyptian coffee or Olympia Greco Egyptian coffee actually appears as a place to go as a tobacconist or as a as a coffee outlet. That's very interesting because there was another company, and I'm going to tell you their name because I often get them confused. <laughs> um, they were around at the very early 20th century. So we have here a postcard uh, which looks down the, the tram line, which is the peak tram line, towards Core Central, if you like, and the harbour and Kowloon and beyond. And it was published by the Turco-Egyptian Tobacco Store, Hong Kong, Queen's Road, old post office building. And this postcard dates to about 1915. So there was that company, and I wondered if there was an association between one and the other, yeah, and I... names that change, and they, they changed from, say, doing... Maybe they only did postcards for maybe three to five years, and then maybe they were tobacco, and then maybe they sold newspapers, and maybe they sell coffee. But I don't know the link between that, so it may be a different company. The Olympia Greco Egyptian Coffee also did postcards. What's the link? Did tobacconists in the early days or places that sold coffee also sell postcards, or was it a way of advertising? I think both, probably. You know, the postcards they could print up and it was a souvenir and it also got their name out. So there were various companies that did postcards. So, But this was the only one that I knew as the tobacco store and possibly the coffee. So we've done the coffee and the tobacco. Now let's move on to the maps. So your first one dates back to... 1775. Yes, we kick it off right back in the 18th century when Alexander Dalrymple arrives in Hong Kong in 1764, where he had been in Manila. 
and he, fl- he sails across to Hong Kong and he starts charting from Ma Wan, actually where, where I live, a small island to the northeast of Lantau. He starts charting the waters around Hong Kong and he does a hydrographic survey and, and measures the depths of certain parts and certain seas. And he, he does this map which only shows half of Hong Kong, which is called Fan Chin Chow. When they actually published this map, they knew there was a way through the harbour and they knew that it was an island, but they decided not to show it, which is quite an interesting story in its own right. But if we look at the map over here, which is by the door, this is the French edition of the uh, Dalrymple, which was produced by his, should we call, associate, because I think they were more like friends than rivals, but his associate called Manivillette, who was a hydrographer in France. Alexander Dalrymple comes to... Hong Kong. Why was he interested in Hong Kong after Manila? He actually worked with the East India Company. He was doing these hydrographic surveys as an aid to navigation, really. So he would have been surveying parts of the Philippines while he'd been there, around Palawan and certain islands. And when he came to Hong Kong, he did the surveying between Macau and various islands approaching the Pearl River Delta, around Lantau, around Marwan, and then down to Hong Kong. But he only goes so far into the harbour in Hong Kong, which he calls Fan Chin Chow on the map. And then islands to the east are shown, but no clear passage. So what you have is only a half island. However, as I said earlier, there is this theory that it was a secret that they wanted to keep because East India Company had a monopoly and so information was key. And so maybe from that point of view, he only showed a certain amount. If he's coming here in 1764, what would he have had here? Uh, It would have been quite low-density population. Oh, He wouldn't have come and stayed in Hong Kong or we've seen Hong Kong. He would have just been in the area, but he would have probably stayed in Macau because Macau was the important place for the Westerners coming at that time because they had to go through Macau to get to Canton, which was the trading port and had been the sole trading port for Westerners since 1735. That was the only place they were, strictly speaking, allowed to trade from. And so Macau was the entry to it. So Hong Kong was incredibly important for water and also a natural harbour and protection from bad weather. Do you also have sort of Qing Dynasty maps before that? You do have other maps with certain degrees of accuracy. So you get the maps and details from Jesuit maps, which were based on Chinese maps. And, of course, there were indigenous Chinese maps. And then there were the Jesuit maps that were published in, say, the Blau, Atlas Sinensis, Martinia, would show the whole of Guangzhou, and it would show a certain amount of details. Often Macau was on the wrong side of the, uh, <laughs> uh, of the delta. And then you got, in the late 17th century and early 18th century, Dutch charts, which were also more accurate. There were certain maps that were published that were quite accurate and the Dutch maps were from a secret atlas as well. Everyone was trying to keep away (laughs) secrets from each other. I mean, our charts were interesting in that way. So did you have people coming by Hong Kong who could have really done with water but didn't know it was there? Absolutely, I'm sure they did. They didn't know where specifically to get the water. Um, Because a lot of these these big ships, the East India Company ships were coming from Europe or from India, but they would come round and they'd picked up brackish water in the Straits of Sunda, near Krakatoa or Java or Sumatra, and and the water there apparently was a very poor quality. So when they got here, apparently the water, the stories that I read tell us that the water was really absolutely fresh from mountain streams. They they, they look forward to it. 
you start with uh, Alexander Dalrymple, and uh, and then so we've got fifty here. We're going to do five highlights. What would you like to move on to next? Okay, I'm going to go to one of my favourite maps because it's one I bought from home. In this exhibition, we have a number of maps from our private collection, and one or two I really, really like. This particular map is from 1840. It is a marine map as opposed to a marine chart. So a marine chart will show soundings and have rum lines and have age to navigation. This one is on a much smaller scale, but it's based on an East India Company chart. And it's particularly interesting. It's by James Wilde, geographer to the Queen, and it was published in 1842. I know of three states of this map. This one is 1842. There was one that was 1840, and they're based on the East India Company map. But what is so interesting about these maps is what they show. And unlike the first map, Alexander Dalrymple, this one shows a lot of detail. First of all, the projection of Hong Kong is based on the Ross model. Daniel Ross was a map maker who lived in Macau from about 1807 to about 1819, on and off. And he charted the waters. He charted the Paracel Islands and he charted the waters around Hong Kong. And he did the first relatively accurate outline depiction of Hong Kong. And this comes across in his chart of 1810. This map is based on Daniel Ross. But what it shows, and other maps don't show, is water. And I like that. It's where to get water. So, so it, this one actually tells the truth. This one reveals all the secrets. But it's a map that was only published as a single map, and, and it's so scarce. This is the only copy I know of. I know of this first edition, uh, the first state of it, and I know this second state, which I have, and I know of the third state. But I don't know of another copy of the second state. It's, it is a really scarce map. This usually hangs at home because I really like it. So I think it's uh, quite appealing, this idea of doing 50 maps to map <laughs> or to mark the history of Hong Kong. And this is to also mark your 30th anniversary here in Old Bailey Street or on the cusp of Old Bailey Street and Hollywood Road. Now, Hollywood Road, I discovered actually by looking at your exhibition catalogue, uh, the history of Hollywood Road, which I didn't know at all. I didn't know where the Hollywood came from, just by the by. Yes, well, the history of Hollywood Road is, is, is fascinating. It's often miscommunicated. What we know is, of course, Hong Kong, they start building in 1842. And so Queen's Road, they start building in 1842, and Pottinger Street at a similar time, which came up from the water all the way up to what would become a retaining pen, and then after that it would be the, the prison site. But also, and then after that, Hollywood Road. And Hollywood Road was being built by 1844, and it was when Sir John Davis, the second governor of Hong Kong, came here, and he had an estate in Wiltshire called Hollywood and when he well, writes... It was a wood with holly in it. Or? I imagine it was a wood with holly in it, <laughs> as they were in England and as they still are, yes. So that's the history of Hollywood Road? Well, it's the beginning of the, <laughs> the, the naming of Hollywood Road and we've had 30 years of the recent history but uh, what it means is that, you know, you, you've, you've, you've got... Um, a very long history here now, 170 years or something of, of a very interesting road. It's it's not the same character as Queen's Road, which is all the you know commercial shops and major businesses, but it's uh, a secondary road which has its own character. And there's so much history here that's very interesting as well, all the way to Manmo Temple and beyond. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a fascinating road. Mm. It still is. <laughs> 
So if we jump forward now to 1979, which is a very different style map, and it's got uh, the first MTR line on here in 1979, and this is the last of your 50 maps of Hong Kong in the exhibition. There's a sort of fun aspect to this, isn't there? Well, there is. Uh, it, it's a 1979 map, and I say to people, why, why do you think we put this in the show? And they go, hmm, hmm. So it's the opening of the MTR line. So you have, you know, north, north part of Hong Kong, you have the harbour, and you have Kowloon, and you have the new MTR line shown. However, it was done as an advert. And in uh, the corner, and also within a a box uh, in Victoria Harbour, there was this red box which contains Pien Su Pien. I believe that is a pharmaceutical of some kind, which is for gentlemen, and is some kind of performance enhancement. Otherwise, maybe Chinese Viagra. My thanks to Jonathan Watters of What is Fine Art, talking there on the exhibition. A History of Hong Kong in 50 Maps, which is on show until November the 16th at What is Fine Art. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>